Check testing, yeah. Wait, maybe I had to push the button. Oh, it is on. Am I on? I'm on here. All right. Well, welcome everyone. Hope you're doing well. Uh, how is everyone? Amen, guys. We are slowly opening back up and uh, you know getting our church back here to church and and being here in person. If you're watching online, hello. We miss you. Can't wait to see you. We have some amazing things planned for Easter. You'll hear about it in the coming weeks. We're having this huge outdoor service, and it's just going to be just phenomenal. we got some great things planned for the kids. You'll hear about it here coming soon. Um, but I'm excited to be with you today and excited to share the word. Um, you know, we closed off a series here on the call, and today I want to share something with you a little bit differently um, that the Lord's placed on my heart. And um, I just want to say welcome. Could you just, why don't you just uh, kind of give somebody an air high five or the next to give them a high five? And uh, just welcome them, welcome them, welcome. Yeah, you guys all look wonderful. I'm excited to share with you today. Uh, are you ready for the word? Amen. Ready for the word? And I'm excited. I'm, I'm, God, God is so good. Let's take a moment to pray. Where's Kelly at? She, where she, I just want, she did a wonderful job singing. Um, just so grateful for her and uh, the worship team. All right, let's take a moment to pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. God, thank you for this day. God, you woke us up and here we are. God, whether we're watching online or we're here in person, we are here today. And God, we just pray your blessing, bring your word alive. God, speak to us, convict us, challenge us, encourage us. God, show us which way to take, how to do it, Lord. God, we thank you, Lord. We come today to hear a word from you. In the name of Jesus, we pray, amen. Amen and amen. Listen, to get started, let me ask you this question. Have you ever had the person next to you in the car try to tell you how to drive? Come on, somebody. Any, any, anybody here? Anybody here have the person next to you? I'm not talking about a backseat driver. I'm talking about a co-pilot seat driver. Now, let me ask you this. Any of you ever been really, really grateful that they spoke up and said something? So my wife and I, we've had many of our dates during this pandemic driving to Costco. That's kind of what it's been like, you know. And so we'll, we'll drive to Costco. We'll go to the one in Woodland a little bit farther, give us a little more time. We'll go there, shop, hang out, talk. And that's kind of what it's been for us just a little bit. And so um, not too long ago, we were, drove, we were over there. We were shopping, doing our thing. We're heading back, and I'm just kind of cruising like this. And she's sharing, and I'm sharing. We're just talking. And, you know, I see some cars in front of me. And, and you know, but I'm just, I'm just going. I'm just going. And all of a sudden, she yells out, Lights! And she's talking about the red lights of the cars in front of me. And I'm like, oh, no. I'm like, Aah! I'm putting on the brakes. And suddenly I feel the car just kind of just kind of a little like this. I'm like, oh, no, that's not good. So I take my foot off the, the brake, put on the gas. I try to go and I try to go around like this. And, and then I'm looking over here like, hey, you know, you, okay, don't make a big deal of it. Everything's all right. <laughs> You know, everything's okay. <laughs> and inside, I'm like, inside, I'm like, oh, thank God. We just, <laughs> we, that could have been a near-death experience, right? In this life, we'll go through some things. And maybe you've had a conversation with yourself and say, I'm lucky to be alive. I'm, I'm thankful to be here. Here's the truth of, of the matter. Every day, we'll have a first breath and we'll have a last breath. Maybe we're saved from that near-death experience that you've experienced. Maybe we're saved from that. 
But the only saving that is guaranteed is a saving being taken from darkness to light. From the knowledge of knowing of God or not knowing Him at all to knowing Him and being in a personal relationship with God. That's the only thing that's guaranteed is salvation. Listen, there's a couple of things that I want to give you an image of today. I want to give you a picture of before we go into our main passage, before we get into this a little bit further, let me ask you this. Did God use someone in your life to help you turn to God? Did he, did he use someone? Did someone speak to you? Was someone a mentor? Was, was somebody an example? Did someone pray for you? Who have we helped turn to God? See, we wouldn't just let somebody walk down the wrong path and say, well, hey, hey, and just let them go. Right? We would say something. We would, say, uh, we, we would warn them. And so I want to give you a couple of images. And the first thing is this. Is you're going to notice through the course of this message today, I'm going to, talk about, I'm going to use the word darkness. And when I'm referring to darkness, I'm referring to two things. Number one, I'm referring to a spiritual state of being. That a person themselves can be in a dark spiritual state of being themselves. And secondly, when I use this word, I'm also talking about spiritual beings, dark spiritual beings. Specifically, what I'm talking about is demonic presence, demonic spirits, right? Satan, the devil, the enemy, the adversary, as the Bible describes him. And so we're talking about what affects your physical and spiritual and then this consistent, constant plan to pull you away from, from darkness. It's always at work. And these spiritual beings that are always at work want to drag you to a spiritual state of being that affects you spiritually and physically. Now that could have sounded like a whole bunch. You're just like, okay, I'm trying to get all that. I'm going to explain it this way. I have this, this rope. Emmanuel, can you bring me that rope and kind of stretch it out? Can I get a, a, a volunteer, a, a, a volunteer, you know, Javier, maybe this would be good for you. Yes, yeah, strong guy over here. And yeah, can you give him one end of the rope? Give these guys a round of applause. Uh, this, is, this is my old uh, towing rope. I used to tow cars with this rope. I find people stuck on the side. Sorry, I, we should have wanted it a little bit. But you guys, I want you to capture this, this moment here. All right, would you get the idea right there? Okay, can you guys just kind of stretch it and pull it up? And, and, and so I, I want you to see this. So here's, here's this rope. Now, now what I'm going to say next, this, this does not reflect you guys at all spiritually. Okay, this is just an example. Okay, so, 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 so you're going to be the, the dark, right? And you're going to be the light. Okay, now, now I love you both the same. Okay, don't, don't, this is, this, this is an example. Okay, this is an example. Okay, and so now, now the dark is going to pull a little bit harder. Can you, pull, can you pull, pull a little? And, and, and it can cause, okay, yeah, yeah, that's good. And it can cause you to, to feel these temptations and feel like you're wondering why you're dealing with that area. Why do you feel drawn? Why do you feel like you need? Why do you feel like you want to be in that relationship that you know is not good for you? Why, why do you feel like, like you need to watch that when you know it's not good for you? Now, now pull on the other side over here. Yeah. And, and you feel like a little bit, I feel like, oh, it's a temptation, but I'm a little stronger. And you pull a little harder. And, and, you, and you feel like, man, I got this. In the name of Jesus, that has no more power over me. And, and suddenly I get to this place where I'm standing here, and that's no longer an issue in my life. I want you to see the tug of war that happens between darkness and, and, and light between what the demonic spirits that sometimes we don't see and what God is trying to accomplish in our life. 
right, with his, with his love, with his forgiveness, with his mercy, and as it builds you up and you seek him and you develop further and something amazing happens in your life. I want to give you this image. Do you see? Can you see? I'm going to explain this a little bit further. Can we give them a round of applause? Thank you both. Now, you're both in the light, all right? Just so we're clear, all right. See, today we're going to look at a passage of Scripture where we see light and darkness at war. We're at war for the sake of someone's salvation, for someone becoming saved. And we see these two men of God, and they're traveling on their missionary journey. And one is Saul and Barnabas, and and Saul, his name, you're going to see it become Paul here in this passage as he goes from the Hebrew name Saul to now he's ministering to more Gentiles and the Greeks, and so his name becomes Paul. But we see these two men, and they're on their missionary journey, and they're traveling as the Holy Spirit calls them out. And we see a picture of darkness and light at war with each other for the sake of somebody. And we're going to see it here in the book of Acts, chapter 13. And verses 4 through 8, it says this. So being sent out by the Holy Spirit, they, again, I'm talking about Paul and Barnabas, they went out, went down to Seleucia, and from there they sailed to Cyprus. And when they arrived at Salamis, they proclaimed the word of God in the synagogues of the Jews. Right, And that was a pattern. If you've been in our Bible studies, you know that that was where they, they would go to the synagogues and they would show from all the way from the Old Testament of Scripture every moment. Look at Jesus. You, you knew a Messiah was coming. You knew a, a Christ was coming. Look, this is what the word says. This is what Jesus did. It all matches up. And they tried to show them that Jesus was who he says he was. And so they went there first before they went to speak to the Gentiles. And then it says this, um, and, and they had John assist them. And then verse 6, when they had gone through the whole island as far as Patmos. Now, I want to give you an image of this. I have this map. I want you to see this. This is their missionary journey, and they're traveling from one area, and then you'll see this island here. Now, I'm going to give you a, a, a demographic of where this is because they, they, don't, they have the ancient names here. They, they have the ancient biblical names. These aren't names that you would see today. You would see Italy and Greece and Turkey and, and, um, and uh, the Middle East, and you see North Africa today. And so here's this island here. And they would have traveled and came to one part of the island, and they would have crossed over by foot, which is about 90 kilometers, and they would have come across over to the other side. And here they are. We're going to pick it back up in verse 6. And it says this, when they had gone through the whole island as far as Paphos, they came upon a certain magician, a Jewish false prophet named Bar-Jesus. Let me take a moment to say this. See, when I'm talking about magician, we're talking about mediums. We're talking about seers. We're talking about card readers, palm readers. We're talking about psychics. We're talking about this. And we see this again in Acts chapter 8, and we're seeing it in 13, and we're going to see it again in 15 and 19. I want to say this to everyone. Do not get involved with this. Don't have anyone read your palms. Don't go to anybody to be a psychic. Do not mess with what is not of God, okay? I want to read this here to you. It says this, this guy, this magician who we're talking about here, verse 7, he was with the proconsul. Now, the proconsul would have been like a Roman governor. Okay, Sergius Paulus, a man of intelligence who summoned Barnabas and Saul and sought to hear the word of God. Verse 8, but Elamas, the magician, for that's the meaning of his name, opposed them, seeking to turn the proconsul away from the faith. Listen, I want you to go back and read more of this story on your own. Paul and Barnabas are sent to preach the gospel, to share the good news about Jesus. 
And they come across this dark spiritual being who's wrestling with spirit, dark spiritual beings himself. Someone who's in a dark state of spiritual being deals with these spiritual beings. And this person doesn't want the proconsul, the governor, to come to Christ. Now, I want to say this. Darkness does not want light. It doesn't want light for itself, and it doesn't want light for the people around them. But I want to tell you all today, even in the midst of everything that we'll face in this life, God is still good. God is good. And the good news about Christ is the best news, the powerful news, destiny-changing news. And today I want to invite a couple of guests up with me, and I want you to hear their story. I want you to, to, to listen where they're at and what their walk is like with God. And so can you help me welcome them up? I'm going to welcome up um, Jose uh, Rojas and Paul Brown. Would, 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 you, would you join me here today? And uh, we're going to kind of change this a little bit. And I'm going to right over here, right there. Right there, right there. And I'm going to sit across from you. So you pick whichever chair you'd like. And uh, I'll move this. Oh, that's perfect. Thank you. All right. And so I just want to share with you a little bit. And I want you to hear from them a little bit. And I want you to see who God is in their life. I want you to see what God is doing. I want you to see about what you're going to hear just here in a moment. And so, um, so this, this is Jose. This is Paul. Hello. Um, Good and morning. I, yeah, absolutely. And I was, God was placing this particular sermon on my heart. I reached out and asked them individually and, and said, hey, you know, would you be interested in doing this? And both of them said yes um, right away. And, and for me, it was just a confirmation of what God wants to do in all of us um, this morning and in this next season of our life. And so um, I'm just going to ask, I'm going to ask a question and then you each go one at a time and, and, uh, and share. You get completely two different stories. Um, and um, so first, what does your relationship with God look like today? Like what, what is he to you? Whoever would like to go, um, go. I can go first. So with me, um, especially with God, he's real. He is real. And it took me so, so long to even identify that. I knew that my whole life growing up, I was exposed. Um, I am aware of him. I know about God, but I didn't know God the way that I do now. I know of him. I hear him as the creator. And um, it's just a man in the Bible. Because when I was growing up, I'm exposed to two religion. I'm Hmong, so I grew up around shamanism, which is very heavily in the Hmong culture. And then I'm also exposed to um, Christianity. My dad's side, they are Christians. My mom's side, we practice shaman heavily. So, um, I've always been exposed to both. I've always known about both. I know that both um, there's God and there's also spiritual beings, demonic presence, all sorts of things. So to me, I was aware of everything, but I didn't know God the way I do now. I didn't know how I know about him now. I don't know 
Um, all I know is there's a God, there has to be a God, but there's also demons, there's also spirits, and there's also different things because of my exposure. So what God is to me is my relationship with him even now. I can't imagine what I missed out on so I missed out on so much because of me just wanting to do things my way and just wanting to be in the middle ground and saying, hey, okay, if this side needs help with shamanism, I'm just gonna go and help, you know what I mean? And if you want me to go to church with you, sure, I'll go to church and you know what I mean? And, and I just didn't take it so, you know what I mean, seriously, like how I did to, uh, now. I didn't know that God was trying to get a hold of me. He was calling out to me and I was just ignoring it because I just didn't think that that was my calling from what I'm doing today with him and my relationship with him today. Um, that's why I say in regards to God, I cannot live my life without him. I consult with him every day. I talk to him. I probably talk to him more than I talk to my own husband, to be very honest. Um, I can't imagine my life doing things, even from the smallest decision makings to now, without consulting with him and without getting a clear yes or no or wait. So that's how dependent I am of him. He dictates everything that I do or say. Yeah, absolutely. Wonderful, wonderful. Thank you so much. Yeah, so what would you say, um, Jose, what, what does your relationship with God look like today, maybe your devotional life? What, what is he to you? So for me, it's, um, man, it's gotten to become a crazy, amazing journey. And the reason why I say crazy is because I never thought, I would have never thought I would have been here um, throughout this, throughout today, you'll find out why I say that. Uh, so for me, for me, this is, this is what my days look like, you know, oh, obviously I wake up. <laughs> No, and um, I give everything to God at that moment from waking up. From waking up to me, it's like, God, you know what? Take my character. Take my, my decision-making. Take my thoughts. Take everything that, that, it's, that has to do to a point where it could affect me, you know? For me, it's more of like, you know what? Build my character into, into work-wise, into, into my living style. Whatever it is I read, I apply it to my life. You know, my devotion always, it's, it's a daily thing. It has to become a daily thing because the lifestyle that I've come out of, and you'll find out in a little bit, it has a lot to do with, with demon possessing. You know, it has to do a lot to do with uh, uh, diabolic stuff. It has a lot to do with everything that the, that the devil offers because I was stuck on it because I was, I was a slave to it for so long. And the fact that I know exactly where I ended up at, I give God thanks the fact that I am where I am now. And it gives me gratitude. It brings me to a humble place to say, you know what, God, I surrender my all to you. To a point where it's like there's nothing I can't do without God. Like like, like Paul was saying, there's nothing we can't do without God. You know, for me, I've noticed that without me having a, a daily time with God, my mind starts wandering. And it starts wandering to, into places where, where it, I know where it will lead me to. It has happened before. So that, that, that's, that's, to me, that's what it is. It's just a that's daily good. thing, you know? It's my worship. That's what it is. In reality, it's a daily worship life. You know, worship, that, that's what it should be for all of us. You know, I encourage everybody to live a worship life because in reality, that's what it comes down to for us to humble our hearts down to God because with us, by us giving our hearts down to God, that's where he could work. That's where the miracle comes. That's where the change comes. Absolutely, absolutely. 
That, that's so huge. I want you to see that. Yeah, God is good. And so, uh, you know, I, you know, this is an opportunity to maybe share a little bit more, be honest and open and vulnerable. And I, and I think so much when we're real, like people can, people understand real. And so you're going to hear a little bit more of what they're talking about and what they mean right now. And so I, I, I want to ask you guys this. What exactly, what did God bring you out of? As you talk about that big thing of that, that, that place, that spiritual, dark spiritual state of being, what's, what was your thing? Or and whoever would like to go. So my thing was, and my, I'm very private about my life and things that happened to me because I didn't, I care about, uh, I care about how people think of me. Um, I know sometimes people are like, oh, Paul, you're crazy. Yeah, but I don't want to be known for that type of crazy. Um, so when it came down to it, my husband is a huge witness um, from my walks of life. He, when he met me, I was more dabbling into shamanism and than I was um, with Christianity. And he know that I suffered a lot, even through as a child, um, I suffered a lot through like night terrors, sleep paralysis. I cannot go to cemeteries, like if we lost a loved ones, I cannot go to cemeteries without being sick afterwards and just being haunted. And these are stuff that I literally just go through it by myself. Um, and I always thought that, okay, this is normal. This is, this, is part of our, this is part of my life. This is my culture. And thank you. Um, that's what makes it scary because I don't sleep at night. People wonder how I became a night owl is because I don't. I can't sleep. I go through situations where I, even when um, there's something really personal about, like my grandma, when she passed, my mom didn't tell me that my grandma passed. And I was in Minnesota at the time. My mom, it's her mom. Her mom was dying. She got on the next plane, flew to Fresno, where my a majority of my family is. And she didn't even think to tell me that your grandma's passing. I didn't know about that but I knew the day that she passed. That's how sensitive I was to things. I knew the day that she passed because I saw her when I was getting up in the middle of the night to go make a bottle to feed my son. I had a newborn at the time, so maybe my mom had her own reasons, but I knew that my grandma passed. These are experiences that I, and it's not a dream, it's not, you know what I mean, where I'm just making things up. I knew the night that she died. And it took two, three days later for me to finally get a hold of a relative. And they told me like, hey, this is the day we're burying your grandma to confirm. But it's stuff like that. It's me going to the cemeteries to, because we lost a loved one and, you know, burial and I come home and then I start getting sick. And I'm talking about. Paul, let me ask you a little mm -hmm. bit. Like, what what is shamanism? So, there's a person maybe not really understand so what that is. So, shamanism is basically we believe that there's a delicate balance between the spirit world and the physical world. Um, if something is not right in the spirit world, it 
affects you in the physical room. So we always do, a shaman is what we consider a healer. So he is, he or she, if they've been chosen and they are shaman, they have to go and negotiate if you're sick. There's, um, you can't explain why you're sick or if your family keeps experiencing misfortunes, whatever that is going on, we would hire a, look for a shaman and hire a shaman for their services where they have to um, go and negotiate in the spiritual world on why you're feeling the way you're feeling or why is this happening to you, your family, or what are you missing that's causing you to be sick consistently? And it's negotiating and bargaining. So animal sacrificing, all of that, it takes place. That is what we have to pay. Um, so most of the time when there is a shaman gathering, it's always involving food, animal sacrifices, whether it's like, you know, go and paying for a bull, pig, chicken, whatever it is to um, as fees, but it's also has to do with ancestors as well. We believe that we are protected by our ancestors and when we die, that's why our traditions are, um, the type of stuff that we do, it's just to reunite us with our clans, our ancestors. So to put it in short, the cute little things that you guys see with like Mulan with the ancestors and Mushu and et cetera, that's, it's kind of like that, but not really. It's, um, it's ancestors, but mostly it's, it's spiritual. It's the balance between the spirit world and the physical. So whatever that happens to you in the spirit world or your family, it affects you as a living and how you are now. And similar to a lot of stuff that we're talking about now, mm -hmm. so there's this spiritual darkness that nobody sees or understands in that yes. way. That's that's. Thank you so much for um, sharing and being honest about that. Uh, that's that's part of your it journey. It was hard. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, hey. I was like, Ugh. well, just to share a little behind the story. When uh, Pastor Jack reached out to me a little more information, I'm over here like. I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> I was like, oh, he has something, okay. Um, but and then, because I'm so private and I don't like to talk so much about what I went through and et cetera, unless I'm comfortable with you, it took a while for me to ponder on that. I said yes, but I was going to text him back and say, you know what, I kind of changed my mind. It's a little too personal and too private for me to share that. But and then something in me was like, someone needs to hear this because they're feeling exactly what you're feeling. They're going through what you're going through. And who, why not you? Why not you? If your story can change somebody, then, and be the courage for them to start seeking God or whatever that they need to do to get to where I'm at, why not you? Amen. Thank you so much. Jose, you want to tell us a little bit of what, what did God bring you out of? What's your story? What's that? What is that for you? Okay. Well, that was good. That was really good. Um, so we're going to be here for a while. <laughs> so um, for me, man, starting off, um, God, the first place I would say God took me out of, you know, it's... Um, the first place I would say God took me out of would be out of the gang life. Uh, for me, that was big. Uh, 
growing up, the South Sac, Meadowview. Um, man, it was hard. I had to fight to get home. <laughs> I had to fight. You know, someone came up, someone, you know, and ended up ended up loving it. Ended up loving fighting. It became a hobby. It became something. It became a part of me. It became a, it became an escape in reality. That's what it became. It became an escape to me to to get all my anger out. To get the fact that you know I had all these issues dealing within me. You know, at the moment I didn't see them, but now looking back, that's one of the spots that God took me out of. And looking back at it now, with the perspective that I have now. I see how the devil was using me. I see how I was of, of getting rid of people, of in reality beating up people for a color that doesn't belong to you, for a hood that doesn't belong to you. I mean, none of that, you know, it, none of that is for you. I mean, in reality, we say this all the time. There's nothing beneficial in that life, but then again, those people who are in that life are stuck in that life, though. Why? Because that's all they know. That's all they grew up knowing because it, it is, it is what, what they're immune to. So for me, that's one of the lifestyles that God took me out of, which was fighting, which was, you know, reality led to drugs. I tried, I tried crystal when I was 13 years old. And that's the other part of my life that God took me out of. So recently, about five years ago, five, six years ago, so most of you guys might not know this, but um, I had been married and everything was going good. It was... It was amazing. It was an amazing time in my life, and um, I started seeing some stuff, you know, and getting into things that uh, that led me to a dark place, that led me to that spiritual darkness, that made me lose everything in reality. Losing my home, losing my family, losing my identity, losing who I was. I had no purpose in life. I ended up getting into my parents. My parents, you know, for the reason of how, how I got, I got hooked on crystal. Not knowing the fact that just because I tried it when I was 13 years old, that door was still open. So when I was hurting, I ran to that, to that spot saying, you know what? I remember what that did to me, and it numbed my feelings. I don't want to feel nothing right now. Not knowing that I was going to get hooked on it this time. Not knowing that I was going to get addicted to it this time. So for four, four years, I was hooked on this. My parents tried to help me. Uh, my 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 ex-wife tried to help me. I had help all around. I I remember even coming to Jack and, and, and speaking to him. You know, me and Jack been going back for 15 years, I believe. Um, so it was hard. I ended up being homeless. Uh, I didn't have nothing. In reality, nothing. Being out there in the spiritual world is real, you know, and it's crazy. Oh, it's amazing how you brought up the the the, the topic of of driving. Now, looking at it now, you know, to where God has got me out of. There's this driven life that I'm living, and it's 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 on cruise control. You know, it's on cruise control because I know who's in charge of my steering. Because I know who's in charge of who who's got me. For me, there is nothing that can tell me God ain't, ain't real because I've lived it. When I said, God, you know what, man, I'm tired of this. 
I tried everything. I've cried, I tried cold turkey. I'm not sure if you guys know what that is or not, but you lock yourself up in a cold room and it don't work. It don't work the same way work that God works. Don't get me wrong. It might get you sober for a while, but it does not work the way God works. I'll tell you that the next day. So I cried out to God. I was driving back to, I was living in San Jose. Um, I came down to see my ex-wife at that moment, and, and right there and there, I snapped. I said, man, I lost a good woman. I haven't seen my daughter. So I remember, you know, when, when we, we met up at the end, we, she, she got in her car, I got in my truck, we were about to leave, I was about to hit the pipe. And I said, no, I broke the pipe, I, I still had my stash. <laughs> I did not let that go. But on my way back to San Jose, I cried out to God and said, dude, you know what, man, this is enough. I've lost so much time of being with my daughter. I've lost so much time of knowing who I am. My daughter does not really even know me because those three years that I was with her, I was still using. So in reality, she didn't know who I really was. She never got to know her dad the way her dad really is, the way God intended her dad to be. So that day I cried out to God, I said, dude, you know what, man, I know you're real, I know you're out there, I know I've experienced you before, so do something, man. So that happened, right? I was going to San Jose, and I called my cousin instead, and I said, hey, you know what, I wanna change. She said, you really wanna change? Come to my house. So I was at her house, I was in Modesto. I was about there for a week, I still kept smoking. Uh, I, I bought a pipe and, and kept smoking for about a week. And I got tired of it one day, and I said, you know what, forget this. I called my cousin, I said, hey, you know what, here it is, dump it, throw, throw it in the, in the toilet, whatever, do what you want with it, I don't want it. I remember that, that it was a weekend, I believe it was, I came out to visit my mom, and my mom took me to church, I hadn't been to church in a while. And I, I walked out, we were in uh, uh, Folsom, and I walked out, went to Starbucks, and on the way to Starbucks, my foot started hurting really, really bad. And I walked all the way. My mom said, hey, you're limping. What's wrong with you? I was like, nothing, mom, don't worry about it. I'm good. You know, just that, that pride talking, you know, I got it, you know? <laughs> so um, my mom said, hey, you know what? I'm gonna have your sister call on uh, Monday. Uh, she told me, hey, I'm gonna have your sister call a uh, hospital or find a hospital for us to take you. So I grabbed a bunch of clothes and I, I left back to Modesto. I was like, no way. So once I got to Modesto, I couldn't walk no more. My cousin had to pick me up. Um, she took me to the hospital and ended up being there for three weeks. So they found the infection in my foot. Um, it was swollen, it was super big. Like, yeah, it was, it was just ridiculous. Uh, they did so many exams on me. They, you know, there's so many different x-rays to find out exactly what it was. It was a flesh eating disease or, or infection, sorry. So, so it started spreading now and spreading now until this day I had this big old scar right here and it was open, it was, it was just this, this big wound open, just this nasty, uh, I should have seen the picture, I apologize, yeah. So, um, <laughs> so in reality, going back to this, that's where, I, that's where I, I give my life to God at the moment, right there, you know. I was like, God, I'm here, I'm yours. Um, three days in, the doctors were like, hey, you know what, you're going, your process is going good. Your process is going good, it's going amazing. You might get out soon. So I stopped praying, I stopped reading the Bible, and that's where I was like, what the heck? So I started getting these attacks inside of there. I started feeling high, I started seeing things. I, 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 my dreams were becoming bad dreams. 
And I said, God, what's up, man? Like, what, what's going on? And I felt God tell me, you know what? If I let you out right now, if I let you go right now, you're going to go right back to where you came from. You're not ready yet. So I dig in deeper into his word. That's where I fell in love with God. At that moment, that's where I found out who God was in my heart, who God was in my life, what was the purpose of my life. In reality, to find out through this process, I didn't have to go through all this. I didn't, but I, through my decision making, I went through all this. And God used it for, for, his, for his name to be, to be glorified, you know. So in reality, that, that's, that's, that's where I'm at. That's where God took me out of, you know, the drug issues, the, the, uh, the substance of, 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 of fighting, the, sub, the substance of fighting, the substance of, of, of using drugs, of um, mistreating the temple of God in reality. So. Yeah. And that's huge. That is huge. Just, you know, this, um, you know, the bulk of the applause. You know, when I, when I think about both of your stories, you know, very unique, and um, God has done a wonderful thing, and I, I'm certainly a witness of watching your growth and your development and maturity in, in all of these areas. Um, what would you say about God? What, what does it say, excuse me, what does it say about him, the fact that he's been the one to lead you and guide you? And you have a very unique story. You know, we can get into some of that. I'm not going to bring up what, what you didn't bring up, but... Um, what does it say about God, the fact that he's worked in your life this way? To me, I'm just thankful that God doesn't think like we do. And the reason why I say that is because, well, put it this way. I remember a, a session that you and I had, and I joked around. I was like, if I was God, the world would be doomed already. I would have just wiped it away and call it a day. Um, so I'm so grateful that he does not think like us at all. He doesn't count your, you know, your faults and no matter what you do, he already knows what you're going to do. He already has everything planned out for you. He already sees your tomorrows, your last breath. He sees all of that already. And he already knows that why you're apologizing to him right now he already knows that you're going to be apologizing to him in two hours time for the same thing that you are apologizing right now and swearing up and down that you're never going to do it again or say it again you know that's a lie um <laughs> so i'm really thankful and grateful that he loves us so much because the things that he's done for us, I cannot, I, I can personally say myself, I won't be able to do. We as parents, as humans, we love our children, we love our friends, we love our loved ones. And imagine sacrificing one of them, or even your own children, but I, the reason why I say loved ones is for those who are not parents yet, and they have a loved one that they really, that's their whole life at their base. Imagine having that person that you love so much that you've waited for. Imagine just saying, hey, I'm gonna sacrifice you to save a bunch of people that don't even care about you, don't even know your existence and it's not gonna make a difference to them, it's not gonna make a difference. You see what I mean? 
I can't see myself sacrificing my own children or my child the way that God allows Jesus to die for all of us who don't deserve it. I'm reading the New Testament um, finally with a different perspective. And there are so many things where I'm just like, we are extremely ungrateful. We really are. We are not worthy of this. We are not worthy of the opportunity. And he's given us numerous opportunities over and over. And even when it's right in front of our face, I imagine myself like when Jesus was discipling, I would follow him. I swear I would follow him. If he was here right now, disciple, I would, I love you, honey. I love you, kids, but I'm going. And he is there within our midst during that time, and nobody, instead we do the total opposite. We call him crazy, and even performing miracles, we still reject him. And even to a point where we nailed him to the cross and all of that, and why he's up there dying and et cetera, we're down here gambling with his clothes, doing all sorts of different things. And we're still, to me, I just feel that, oh man, us as human beings, if we have just the ounce of saying, we're not gonna be friends no more because you're not loyal to me. You've wronged me. You know what, we can be cool, but I can't do this and that for you because you know this is as far as I'll let you in my life. Imagine if God treats us that way. Oh my goodness, where would we be? Imagine if his grace is not within us, with the type of grace that he's given us, knowing how we are. We are a creature of, of sin and fault from the womb, whether we like to admit it or not. Imagine if, if God just treats us the way that we treat one another. I just... I'm, all I can say is I'm extremely humbled that he doesn't. I'm extremely humbled that his, his definition of love, I can't even put in the human vocabulary because there's just no word that will come close to how much he loves us. If we can love our children and our loved one this much, I can't even imagine an ounce of how he's feeling and how his emotion is towards us that do not deserve it, that is unworthy. Yeah, wow. So that's my take. Yeah, no, absolutely, thank you. Jose, wh what would you say, what is the, the fact that God's brought you out of what he's brought you, what does that say about him? Man, <laughs> there's so much, you know. Uh, to me, who God is, you know, according to everything he's done in my life and what I've seen, uh, through this process, God's amazing, man. God is a miracle worker. God is God. He is the beginning, the end. There's nothing like him. For me, I would say in reality, so compassionate upon my upon my life because there's been so many times where I've given so many decisions or so many so many characteristics of, of for me, for him to give up on me, he still hasn't. The fact that he hasn't changed his mind about me because of the decision making that I made to go away from him, to step away from him, that says a lot about him. Yeah. That says, that right there, that's true love. That's it. That's, that's it. true love right there. 
And speaking about it, in reality, that's that's something I, I was talking to my little brother about this. As a matter of fact, last night, I put something upon my heart. You know, for me, the way I guess I live my life now, first off, is loving God, love myself, and the third one. It's not that it's more important than the others because it's not, but it is super important too at the same time. And I try to humble myself within this is to love people. Love God, love myself, and love people. With that, I find gratitude. With that, I find humbleness. With that, I find this place of peace where I don't have, I don't hold no grudge against nobody. And there's no, and in reality, to be honest with all you, there's no room for, for, for judgment upon my life. I mean, I'm sorry, upon your guys' life because of what has happened in my life. Because I've seen where I drop myself how low I drop myself with my own strength, my own decision-making by me saying, hey, God, you know what, man? Hold on. I got this real quick. I don't need you right now. So for me, that that's what it is, that that lifestyle of love. In reality, that's, 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 that's what it comes down to. Oh, that's so good. Thank you for sharing. Guys, one, one last question, uh, maybe a little, little bit um, just quickly. What would you say? to maybe the person who's either struggling, either they're, they're far from him, or maybe they're close, but they're doubting, they're kind of going through something. Just quickly, what, what, would we, what advice would we give to that person who's struggling? My advice is what do you have to lose? Yeah. What do you have to lose? This is something that is free, but it's life-changing. Yeah. It changes your life forever. Um, what the only thing that, as I reiterate back to what I say is, what do you have to lose by coming to God? Think about that and think about what you're about to gain compared to what you're about to lose. God is not a Netflix or a, a trial where you have to put in your credit card. God is here, he is free. He is free, and it's up to you to come to him. But when you do come to him, and it's something I learned from my own experience, I came to him with boundaries and condition. That was my mistake that I had to learn, and it took many years for me to learn that. I keep hearing the come to God as who you are, and he accepts you. Yes, he does. But I went to God with, God, if you do this for me, I can do this. God, I need your help on this, but this area, I got it. I don't want to change this. I came to God as a person who is always dependent on myself, who is a control freak, and I have lots of limitations. I went to God with God, I need your help, I'm struggling and et cetera. And I noticed that I only went to God with my vulnerability when it's beyond my control. I didn't go to God first. I had to do it myself first. I got this, I'm gonna do it, I'm gonna find my resources. And then when everything does not work and it doesn't make sense to me, then I run to God and say, God help me. And who knew what kind of damages that I probably already did along the way before I give it to God. If I would have just went to God in the first place, I could have avoided a lot of different other things. And I could have saved myself.
from a lot of headaches and et cetera, but I went to him with condition. So my challenge to you is don't go to God only when you're in really big trouble. You see what I mean? When you just, oh, I have no choice, fine, God, I'll, I'll give you a shot. No, go to God as you are, but with no strings attached. Be very careful how you ask as well. I used to ask God, God, please break me. <laughs> break me, mold me, and guess what? When that breaking takes place, I didn't understand what was going on. All I, and then it hit me that, you know what? I asked God for this. Relationships that I had started falling apart. I asked God for protection. I didn't understand. I just thought it's what's going on. Everybody's going crazy and et cetera. So be very careful. Go to God. He sees what's in your heart, so I don't even know why you try to go to him with little things when he already knows everything. Go to him as who you are and just say, God, I don't know you like I'm supposed to, but speak to me. It's okay to ask God for confirmation on things. But be realistic. I used to ask God for bird signs, and I share that with PJ. It's, I, I usually say, God, if you're real, please have a bird fly across the sky that you're listening. Like, I would ask, but just go to God as who you are and just say, God, I don't know you. I want to get to know you. You know, speak to me. Guide me. Protect me. Your usuals, bless my loved one. Everybody always goes to God for certain things, and you know what he hears. You can never outgive him. He gives you more than what you ask for. You will see things happen in all areas of your life that you cannot fix in years, within days, even minutes. You never know. God has, his timing is perfect. It's not on your timing, so let's get that straight. It's on God's timing, but it's perfect. So for those that are struggling, why should I try? Why should you not? That's my question to you. You can answer that for yourself. Why should you not give God a try? And let, let us know. Watch him work and see what happens in your life that you couldn't fix all the years of your life and see what he does. So my question is, why should you not? And you can answer that. That's so good. Jose, the same thing, just quickly, why, why would you, what would you say to that person who may be struggling? What advice would you give them? For my part, I would say if, if there's any, well, every characteristic that we have against, you know, that holds us back from, from getting to God is an addiction in reality. So whatever addiction it is that you're holding, you know, you know whatever addiction it is you're holding to, let it go. Full on, hardly, just, just let it go. Trust me, it works. God works. God is real. Amen. Do it with everything. Give it, give, give it your all. Give your heart to God and he'll start working. Because that's the only thing we have fit for a king, for him to, to mold us. Within our heart, that's where change comes. That's where restoration comes. That's where healing comes in our heart. That's where it is, right then and there. And just I want to throw this out there. We have a recovery group 
we started this recovery group and uh it's amazing it, it it's it's amazing i didn't want to do it i know you, you remember right i didn't want to do it i was yeah. like no heck no i do not want to be known to be going to recovery group but it's amazing i fell in love with it it's amazing it works it helps it has a bad rep for some weird reason i think it's the fact that we're too we're, we're, we're too strong to be there you know but what we see strong, God sees weak. What we see, what, what, what we see strong, God sees weak. What, what God sees weak, He sees strong. You know. Amen. Can, can we give them both just another round of applause? Thank you guys so much. Thank you. You guys can have a seat. Guys, I just want to close quickly with just a couple of quick thoughts, um, and we're going to close the service. I'm going to pray for you. You guys did such a wonderful job. Thank you for sharing. Uh, don't go anywhere. I need you for the second service. So. But I just want to take a quick moment and just share a couple of things that I, I think we all need to know. And just give me just give me the next here two, three, four minutes here. But the first thing that I want to share with you is that often we don't view the enemy as someone harmful in our lives. There could be different circumstances, different things going on, but we don't, we don't view him. We, we say, I, I know of the devil. I know of Satan. I know of demons, but, but I'm a Christian. I'm a Christian, and why, why would that ever interfere with me and who I am and what I do? But I want to say this. On this side of heaven, our flesh will always be battling different things. And that tug of war will always be taking place. And, and he, he, God's wanting you to pull you this way, and, and demonic spirits, and, and the devil's wanting to pull you the other way on this side of heaven. Be aware of it. Be aware that it can happen with somebody around you. Be aware in verse 7, it says this, but he was with the proconsul. He is, is, is talking about the, 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 the magician, Sergius Paluis, a man of intelligence who summoned Barnabas and Saul and sought to hear the word of God. The Bible says that this governor was a wise man. See, even though he was wise by, by human standards, it doesn't mean that he had eyes to see his spiritual state. It didn't mean that he had eyes to see what was around him. See, it could be this. It could be the case that there are people around you who secretly don't want you to succeed in Christ. It's, it, it's not that they come out and say it, but to, the, the demons that they deal with don't want you to succeed in Christ. The demons that they wrestle with. So I want you to get that. What we need to know is that often we don't view the enemy as someone harmful in our lives, but you need to see it that way. And the second thing I want to close with this is that the enemy will always want to oppose the good work of God in your life. Always. He'll always want to do that. He'll always, you got a little momentum going. You have some progress. You've developed. There's, there's a good habit going on. He'll always want to oppose that 100% of the time. Constant and consistent. But here's the truth that you and I know. God's planted a seed in your life. God wants to water it. God wants to see it grow and develop and mature and become something beautiful. God's giving you a hope and you feel like you're, you're waiting on that hope and you have the desire. You've made some decisions in your life and he's, the enemy is constantly working to, to destroy that seed, to destroy that hope, those areas that you've turned around. The Bible says in verse 8, but... But Elamis, the magician, for that's the meaning of his name, opposed them. Someone just really quick, would you say opposed them? See, he was seeking to turn the proconsul, right, the governor, away from the faith. See, he opposes Paul and Barnabas in hopes of doing one thing, 
hopes of doing one thing, that this man would never come to faith in Jesus. See, the Bible says that he asked for Paul and Barnabas because he wanted to hear the word of God. He wanted, he was curious. But the whole time, the, 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 the tug of war is happening. He opposed them. He didn't want him to come to faith. Not because of, of him. Paul calls him out. You'll see in the, in the following verses, he says, you son of a devil, he calls him. He calls him, you son of a devil. But his whole hope and his plan is that this man next to him, this governor, this proconsul, would never come to faith. His mission is to make sure that that seed never grows, that he never gets that opportunity in Christ, and that you just doubt everything. I don't believe, I'm not sure, you know, just, I, 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 just, I just don't believe it can possibly be, or there's, there's too many holes, or it just doesn't make sense, or the Bible's not really, I'm not sure about anything. God, I just don't know. Has there ever been anyone in your life that tried to turn you away from the faith in God? Listen, when I was, um, uh, I, was, I was young in the faith, I, I knew God had called me into ministry, and I was, you know, I, I was excited about that. I was kind of testing the waters of Bible college, and, and I was just kind of figuring all of that. And there was this, this older gentleman in my life, and, and uh, he said, I was telling him about kind of my desires and my plans. He said, God's called me. I want to do this. I want to do this. This is going to be good, and, and I, I want to go to Bible college. And he's like, uh, don't do that. You're going to waste your time and your money. Don't do it. Don't do it. Just look at my life. Don't, don't do that. You can find another way to do it. Don't waste your time and your money. He said that to me. And, and, and as I think back, now I, I look at his, his spiritual dark state of being. See, I could have listened to his advice. I, I, I could have listened to what he had to say. I, I, I could have been dealing with that. I could have said, you know, he's older than me. He'd never steer me wrong. He, he knows more than me, right? He, he's been around these things, right? You see, sometimes we don't see the spiritual state of someone speaking to us. And we forget that the enemy is always pulling, always pulling away from church, away from serving, away from tithing, away from the Bible. But God's good and he's speaking to us today. He loves you. He knows you. And he has greater days for you. But you're going to have to serve him and trust him. And so this is my challenge this is my challenge for you today. I want you to identify where the enemy could be around you. Where could he be around you? I want you to seek to hear God's voice. When I say that, I'm talking about praying. God, I, I want to hear your voice. God, I want to recognize your voice. And God, I want to obey your voice. God, I want to hear your voice. God, I want to recognize your voice. And God, I want to obey your voice. And then look for that opportunity to serve God and let God work in that area. Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, we thank you. Thank you, Lord, for your love in our life. God, you're so good. Today, God, you're for us. Today, you're speaking to us. Today, God, you're trying to do a wonderful work in us. Maybe there's somebody here today, Father, that, that wants to get right with you, turn their life over to you, make a decision. You know, this is where I've been, but I want to get right with God. Hey, God bless you. I pray that that word was impactful to your life, impactful to your week. We're praying with you. We're worshiping with you. So stay tuned and, and be prepared for the weeks that are coming up, for the new series that are coming up. God bless you and have a great day.